Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Domestic Game, where we bring you all of the insights and the stories across American football Ireland. We are your hosts, Kelly Dwyer. And I'm Robert Caldwell. Let's get down to it. On this week's section of Settling the Score, we've got Johnny Hugh from the Kildara Crusaders here to talk to us a little bit more about something we said on last week's episode. Johnny? Hey guys, thanks for, thanks for inviting me on. Long time listener, first time caller. It's great to have you here. <laughs> the, uh, the chairman of the Kildara Crusaders. I've been playing football now for a th- uh, four or five years. I forget how long, it's probably the concussion. But uh, <laughs> I started with the South Kildare Soldiers and moved into the Crusaders when they joined up with the North Kildare Reapers and in the last six months have taken on the role of chair. So, Johnny, a little bit more about what was said last time on the show. It was just in relation to one of your players who was ejected from a game. Now, from what we understood was the player in question was actually your quarterback. However, since then, and talking to you, that wasn't the case during the incident. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's without wishing to come across too harshly. It was a complete crock. <laughs> <laughs> Say it like it is, Johnny. Yeah, no, 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 no I'm not gonna I'm not pull any punches here. You know, uh, no, uh, it didn't happen in any way like that. I didn't like speaking frankly. I didn't like the way it was portrayed. That it sounded a much lot like our quarterback was uh, going around headbutting people and causing gross bodily harm on a football field which is not what happened in any way, shape or form. And <laughs> reputations take a long time to build and can be lost very, very quickly. So I didn't, I didn't want to let that go just by the by, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. So if you want to settle the score, then would you like to describe the events that actually happened? Yeah, so look, what happened was, uh, he is the quarterback, right? And what happened was he was subbing on for somebody at nose tackle in the game. It was some late in the second half. It was a brutally hard day. If I remember correctly, I think we were playing the Bulldogs at home the second time we were playing them that season. And he subbed on for the nose tackle because the nose tackle was just suffering from exhaustion and it was a really, really hard day. So because let's be honest, our quarterback isn't running around <laughs> like he used to anymore so he wasn't doing the same amount of running so he thought I'll go in I'll help the lad out and I'll go in there and what happened was he got ejected for leading with the helmet or for targeting which and he, yeah he hit, the, he hit a running back I think in the helmet I think you know it was a bit of a football play bang bang hit look I personally I'm not going to criticise the referees I didn't agree with the call but you know people make I'm not going to criticise the referees. Referees are doing a tough job, you know. It's just, it is what it is. But, yeah, and he got taken out of the game for that, which was unfortunate, but it wasn't the same as <laughs> as, as him loafing, loafing someone on the sidelines or deliberately going out of his way from the pocket to do that. So, <laughs> it's... Fair play to him as a quarterback going in at nose tackle. As a five foot eight running back who has played nose tackle uh, against Mullingar a couple of years ago, I do know the difficulty that uh, <laughs> many's a man faces going up against an O line. But hearing that, you know, these things happen. You know, we're playing football. We're not going oh, out yeah. there with you know the intent to hurt other people. Occasionally, if you're not experienced playing a certain position, you know, you're not going to do things a hundred percent correct. You're in there a quarterback. You're heading into nose tackle. You're coming out of whatever stance you're coming out of, you know, these things happen on the day, 
it just happened that he got ejected yeah. for it. And, and I think what happened, like, I think it was the running back he tackled at the time. He, he ducked or jumped or cut or in a particular way. And it obviously just created a bad image for the referee and for right or for wrong, that's what, that was the result of it, you know? Yeah, well, look, I mean, obviously we can't condone targeting or any type of dangerous play. Oh, no, of play. course not. Um, so we don't know. We don't know. We don't have any video footage of the play itself. Um, but it's kind of one of those that... I mean, I know if I was a defensive team and uh, QB has come in at nose tackle and I have a shot at him, maybe I'm going to take it. So maybe, you know, the Q- so there was something happened there and uh, the nose tackle maybe reacted or something. But <laughs> What are you possibly insinuating there? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a player. I'm just saying I'm that. I'm not uh, quite sure what they're doing up there, but down here in Kildare, we're not doing that kind of thing. You know? No, but I think this is, a, this is a great example of why it's so important for teams to get in contact with us to like record games. So we actually see firsthand what's going on and therefore can make you know a more accurate assessment and judgment of different incidents that happen through our games. So I think this is a great starting point for not just ourselves, yourselves, but for every team around the league. They, you know, it's a, something that we can actually all learn from. I think though, like you know, there's more to the Crusaders than this one incident. And I think this is something that we really want to find out. So Johnny, like, tell us a bit more about the Crusaders as a club. You know, we know that there was originally the North Kildare Reapers. There was the uh, was it the South Kildare Soldiers? And then sometime, was it around 2018, there was like an amalgamation of both these clubs? Yeah, that's right. So uh, essentially it was two clubs joined together, the two Kildare clubs, the South Kildare Soldiers, which were based, um, when I joined a few years ago, they were playing in Kildare Rugby Club, just outside of Kildare Town. And then you had the North Kildare Reapers with their own separate entity playing out of Kilcock. Um, and when I joined, when I came into the club, it would have been, I joined the South Kildare Soldiers. And I think, I think you're right, well being said, I forget how long ago it was now, but f- three, four years ago. Uh, basically, as a result of numbers dwindling on both sides, you know how it is in terms of when it comes to rec- player recruitment and, yeah. and player retention. Uh, South Kildare Soldiers, I remember playing Ironman football for at least a year, going back and forth, and it's exhausting. And it was, the decision was made, I think, for the best for the growth of the of the club absolutely the growth of both was clubs to, was to, for both the growth clubs yeah. was to join yeah. them and it obviously it was uh we had our growing pains and it was a lot of uh actually that, culture clash that's what i was going to ask you about the growing pains because from what i recall the north kildare reapers and the south kildare soldiers there was quite a like a competitive competitive atmosphere between both those teams so ye coming together as one team for at the time i never thought that that would happen but it seems to have gone quite smoothly from the outside anyway but can you talk about that how easy was that to integrate two teams who had been quite competitive or was it difficult or uh can you tell us about it no absolutely i mean it, it, like they're two distinct teams originally you know and they had a long history of the being distinct and competitive with each other. But at the same time, iron sharpens iron and, and lads want to compete and play football. And there were obviously, there was certain growing pains in blending the two and deciding what and who's the head coach and who's playing here. and What about our quarterback? What about your quarterback? And But like all of that sort of diminishes insignificance when you get a group of lads together just 
running into each other in the field in the middle of winter you kind of uh you bond over that kind of thing you know and the club is stronger for it yeah of course and i mean like there's one thing that's going to get rid of any kind of uh animosity and that is just physically running into another man like do you know what i mean it's like any kind of uh bad feelings that you might have had towards any individual on another team it's like you can get them out on that training pitch and that's only going to benefit your training so uh, no, I think you're a very, uh, you come across as a very good unit now. I have to say that uh, if there was any growing pains, you really couldn't tell from the outside at all. So uh, that seems to have been very, very well done. Um, I'm conscious that one of the other things that we said in the previous episode was that Robbie Tyke was doing quite a bit of year admin. And I had mentioned that, you know, I'd love to see maybe a general manager type thing or a bit more organization. Uh, whereas I have to compliment you on Sunday. I felt that you were a very organized team. Uh, very cool camp collected, uh, even at times where the game might have been going against you. Uh, I thought that you yourself in the pocket, very camp collected, even when our uh, our blitzer Meg, who is fantastic, was riding on top of you at times. So, she's um, rapid, by the way. She is rapid. Oh, she's she's very good. Like <laughs> She covers seven yards very quickly. Oh, too fast. Like From all your timing, she can cover seven yards in less than, what was it, 1.6 seconds? Oh my god! Yeah. So like when you're coming, stand back there like a when long you're coming snapper, up against that, you know, unless you are extremely mobile in the pocket, you're just standing there like a stone pony. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I play defensive ending, like so. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm no Russell Wilson, you know. I d- do. You know what? You were a convincing QB on Sunday. Ah, uh, go away. No, I, I did think so, and then um, I was gonna <laughs> ask you then about the organization of the. Kildara Crusaders, um, what what has changed, let's say, from previous years um, into this year? Yeah, so like historically, and I have to credit Robbie for this, he was the glue that kept the two clubs together in the early days in terms of organisation, and he really did a lot of unsung work at the beginning to lay the foundations for what we are at the minute. Um, and I, I honestly without wishing to go into too much details, I know he's a, he's a very uh, modest person, but I, he's, I couldn't thank him enough. And I think everyone in the club couldn't thank him enough. And in the last year or two, he brought on, I don't know if you know Ken Byrne, um, big Ken, he was playing centre for us on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, no Ken. He came in as club secretary then uh, two years ago and really was Robbie's right-hand man. And between the two of them have laid a rock-solid foundation for the club. There's a lot of work that's gone in that not everyone would know about and only me coming on board recently can see the actual depth of what they've done yeah because from from when they've come on board you know you've went from the amalgamation of the two clubs to winning the at the time it was the AFAF division two title and now you are quite the the, (laughs) it's quite a mouthful that um a multi a multi-code team you know you have the likes of the senior kitted you have the flag team, and last year I do believe there was a youth team as well involved at some stage. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So like that's quite a rapid transformation. Like for you know, even though it's not a new club per se, it's the amalgamation of two clubs. But to bring two clubs together and keep that consistent, but then in such rapid growth of bringing in the other two, you know, denominations of American football into the organization, like that takes a lot of commitment and a lot of effort and sort of. You know, it's the wider structure around the entire Crusaders that, you know, will help sort of keep that thing going. Um, mm. What mm. made you decide that, you know, after such a, a relatively short period of 
coming together that you were going to branch out so rapidly into the other codes of the sport. Yeah, so like, and I agree with you. We, the way I see it is the Crusaders brand, we are a new club. We have a very experienced core unit there that used to play for different clubs, but we have to look at it from, certainly from my point of view and the board, the committee's board, point of view, is we have to look at it as a new club and we have to put those foundations in. But ultimately, when it comes down to, like, we all enjoy football. We want to play as much football as we possibly can. And whether that means having a youth team that's comprised of 13, 14 lads that just want to get stuck in, most of our flag team are O-linemen, D-linemen that just <laughs> want to run around. Uh, and then you have the kitted team as well, which is an amalgamation of all of the above. Plus, I know we have uh, strong links with the Eden Dairy Eagles flag team who have existed before the origination of this club. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams, a lot of experienced persons within a new club, which has made it a lot easier to get things going and keep things going. Yeah. And has there ever been a consideration from the Crusaders to even bring the Edenderry Eagles into the uh, the Crusaders brand? And that, you know, it is, you have the two flag teams. And I know with Rob, Robbie being so involved with yourselves, but also being one of the key men in the Eagles, mm. you know, there is that crossover. It would make sort of, you know, like a, a seamless transition or are both sort of organisations happy with the way things are at the minute? No, I'm quite happy. I wouldn't want to to do that per se unless the Eagles wanted it I wouldn't put any pressure on them to do that because as far as I'm concerned the Eagles are their own separate entity before the Crusaders they were competitive before the Crusaders and they've been competitive since the Crusaders and they also they have lad, they have players that don't play for the Crusaders I know one or two of them play for different kitted teams these days Yeah. but they still have that unit from the flag and I wouldn't want to put any kind of undue pressure or anyth- anything like that in terms of bringing them into the fold uh, as you might suggest it's, they're, they're separate they're, we're, we're separate but the same if that makes sense it yeah there, there is there is crossover there between both organisations but you are both your own entity really absolutely and it's a great it's a great opportunity to work the fitness of a of our O-line as well yeah <laughs> and even get them maybe a few touchdowns you know so, something that they're not going to get really every day of the year but <laughs> I was going to ask you as well, Johnny, um, just because there's a load of teams in uh, AFI at the minute that are kitted only. Um, mm. So what has been the benefit to the Crusaders in having your youth team and having your flag team as well as your kitted team? Youth team wise, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious in terms of the, the, the younger you start playing football, the, more be- the better your fundamentals will be and the smoother the transition. A lot of clubs seem to benefit recruitment wise from bringing in adults who might have had experience in rugby or gar or soccer or whatever it is some other sport or maybe no other sport but they're kind of changing codes in a lot of ways but if you get youth team players in at 16 17 it's a lot easier to make that transition to a kitted adult because you have those fundamentals ingrained you know how to run a route you know how to hit yeah. somebody etc yeah. no definitely like it With is it is something like flag wise it's like it's just fun yeah, <laughs> like I'd is. encourage anyone, any kitted team or kitted only team that hasn't given it a go. Five on five flag is fun. Like there's, there's no other way of putting it. But, you know. Yeah, true that, true that. And uh, so you won the bowl in 2019. You won the IFL two bowl. Uh, I think that's right against the Meath Bulldogs. Mm. How are you going up then to IFL two? Um, for the 2022 season and how are you preparing for that as a club how are you feeling about that as a club 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. So we move up a division. I think technically I, IFO one or whatever, whatever they call. It. I don't even know what they're officially calling it, it these days. To be honest with it's you, it's Division One now. So we've Premier One, Division One, and Division Two. And I definitely got that wrong in the last episode because, <laughs> like, we're trying to get used to it as well. You know, so um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to keep track of. Um, like, I support a rebrand, but I'm not quite sure where we're at. But yeah, we uh we will move up a tier. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we're we're all looking forward to it and like. Getting getting ready for it in in every sense of the word. Since we're training regularly now, Newbridge College. There's a few. I don't want to announce anything yet, but we are working on some uh, some matches for the summer. So, th- th- things things are moving forward. Um, great yeah, to hear. That's, that's what we want to see. Let's just say I think every club's been affected by the break from COVID. There's a lot of rust to knock off, you know. So like going forward now, like you're going up the division, like you said a few games planned hopefully for this year what do you hope to get out of moving up a division next season and what scalps basically do you want to take oh, we're, we're an ambitious club we want to win it there's there's that's 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 the first priority now like my responsibility and the coaching team's responsibility is how do we get there how do we do that um we've experienced at this level before a lot of our experienced individuals and players have played football for five, some some of them closer to ten years. Uh, there's no reason why we can't do it. So I, I see it my responsibility, coaching team's responsibility, the board's responsibility to put those structures in place to allow people to succeed and to let the talent flourish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 I agree. I thought that was very well put. Very, very well put. What advice would you give Johnny to anyone who was like looking or maybe interested in starting to play American football? Because there is such a large catchment area there with Kildare. So just give it a go. Like you could so much of without wishing to go into too much philosophy and in depth like conversation. Like so much of life is achieved by jumping first and asking questions later, and. If you have any, uh, I was one person, for example, who was just had a curiosity about playing it. Um, I think a lot of people come to the sport being fans of the NFL, and you kind of like, oh, geez, I didn't know they played that in Ireland. And then they dig a little deeper and they realise there's I don't know how many teams we have these days, but it's a, it's just a question of just showing up and giving it a go. Um, like we often said, that all you need is a pair of boots and a gum shield to come down and give it a go, male, female somewhere in between it, it like makes no difference you just turn up you know and give it a go and like our, yeah. our mantra that we say every uh, from the Cadell Crusaders point of view is every end of every session we get in a huddle and we, we say family because that's what we are you know but even just to reiterate that point because I know that a common deterrent for other people to get involved in the sport is that they think that the equipment can be quite costly and I think that that's a nice way that you've put it, that all you need to start playing American football is boots and a gum shield. If anybody who is looking to join the Crusaders training, uh, where do they find you? Yeah, so we are doing training on Sundays in Newbridge College, middle of Kildare, more or less, at 10.30 to 1. Come along, I'm trying to get there for quarter past 10 or so, because we have to do COVID check-in and things. And there's a lot, few, just a few safety procedures for everybody's sake that you have to do. But if you're interested in coming down, Newbridge College at say quarter past 10 on a Sunday morning. We also run flag training on a Wednesday evening at the same location, seven o'clock. 
if you're interested in any of those, either of those, should I say, just turn up. It's it's there's you can if you're interested in any questions, you can get through us on the social channels via uh, Facebook or Instagram or Crusaders at gmail.com. You can just send us an email. We'll get back to you within normally uh, six months or so. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just if you're into questions, those are the places to go. But I advise people like myself just to show up. Like I'm always happy to see new faces and you'd be surprised how welcoming people can be. That's great. Well, Johnny, listen, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It's been great having you. Um, thank you for settling the score with us. No Thanks worries. also for not reporting us to our superiors because that <laughs> well, might have killed this project <laughs> in its early days. So I was going to um, ask, guys, you want me to slag off another team to invite them on next time? Yeah. Right? Just pick a team, a dartboard, and pick, take a shot at a team and they can come back. shot. Who will we have to get on next week? Go on, pick one, go for it. I'm not going to single out any team, but uh, we really enjoy playing the Bulldogs, put it that way. Yeah, it's a good competitive fixture. It's a rivalry good we're all looking forward fixture. to seeing again. Great. Johnny, thanks so much, and we'll chat to you again soon. No, guys, appreciate the time. Thank you. This Sunday saw the start of the multi-code flag football shield tournament that's been run in its inaugural season this year. Teams featured were the Pirates, Crusaders, Minotaurs, Mavericks, UCD, Trinity, and the Rebels. Yeah, it was a great turnout with um, close to 100 people there participating. Uh, each team got to play two games in what was really competitive football and actually was a great start to the Shield Summer Tournaments. Mm. I thought that some of the matchups were quite interesting because the teams were fairly well matched for the most part. Let's say the Pirates and Crusaders, we had a draw in that game that finished 12-12, which uh, is quite rare. And then with the likes of the you know Rebels turning up with quite a large squad of nearly 18 players, a team that you know has been so dominant throughout the years in the kitted section of American football here in Ireland, you know, really showing what they can do on the flag football setting. Yeah, the Rebels and Trinity for me were the the two superstars of the day. Um, it's nearly a shame that they didn't get to play each other because it would have been interesting to see who's going to come out on top. But at the same time, it kind of builds a bit of excitement to see who's gonna, which team is going to beat the other uh, the next time that they meet. No, absolutely. Like there's still a good few more weeks left in the flag uh, tournament for this, so like there will be the chance to see both these teams go head to head. You know, very impressed, like we said, with both sets of quarterbacks. You know, Ty Henry uh, moving over now here to Ireland, playing for the Dublin Rebels. Um, Trinity's quarterback, insert name here. Yeah, we don't know his name, so please send in his name. He is very talented, very, his footwork uh, is just so rhythmic uh the hand that he has is an absolute cannon um i was on the sideline for the first game the trinity minotaurs game whereby which saw trinity win by quite a comfortable uh margin uh it took him a little while to get going i actually think he started the game strong and then towards the the middle of the game it just kind of started to get a bit caught up for him and then but then towards the end of that game just took off the Trinity offense is so fast you have um Connor O'Dwyer there and there's also another O'Dwyer brother who uh, I had not met before I don't think um, quite a talented a talented American football uh, family there that one and a lovely bunch of lads and a lovely bunch of lads couldn't find nicer so even keeping to the quarterback discussion and back to Ty Henry for me like I think he just had a fantastic day. He was very uh, 
calm in the pocket. Uh, even against, we saw that against the Mavericks, whereby uh, Meg, um, who's our blitzer, usually has quarterbacks really under pressure because she is so fast. And Ty Henry was just, uh, didn't let it phase him, kind of uh, remained very calm, very collected in the pocket and was still able to make plays even with Meg right there on top of him. So um, great stuff. The other thing was I was chatting to a few of the Rebels players on the sideline and um, they really endorsed him. They say like what he brings to the team is like just kind of a freshness. It's injected a bit of a, injected a bit of kind of fun back into the team. You say the word fun there with the Rebels and that is something that you did see. Like I was seeing players on the sidelines smiling, you know, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the football, just really actually enjoying life in general. You know, as a team that we all know to be such a serious, you know, heavy pounding team, pounding that rock day in, day out, to see them out there and like having fun. Yeah, it's a good point because... Nice. Yeah, and it is, it is one of those things that I do think that uh, in terms of the kitted um, team, the Rebels have seemed to be quite serious these last few years, do you know? And I think that's probably maybe due to the pressure that they're possibly feeling because they are such a historically successful team. I think um, to date still, they're the winningest team in the SBC. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but they're the stats that I have in my head, so I'm going with them. But um, yeah, they seem to be quite serious. Um, the last few years kind of wasn't really seeing too much fun on their sideline, but that was very different, very, very different um, there on Sunday. Uh, the other thing that I think is a huge success story for the Rebels is their youth programme. Absolutely. I got talking to a few of the guys after it. Um, they'd started playing American football there about two years ago, came up through the, the Rebels youth team, and they made a quite a sizable chunk of the squad there today. A couple of them got some great scores. Um, there was a lovely interception by one of the guys, Rex was his name, mm. um, nearly ran the ball back for a touchdown, but then had a bit of a Daniel Jones moment. Um, there was the guy in at centre, I think he was number 20, kind of reminded you of Sunshine from Remember the Titans great player you know athleticism the movement the fluidity uh, excellent set of hands on him excellent set of hair on him you know, <laughs> everything just was like excellent about the kid he made some very tidy catches um very great awareness of his body uh in the end zone there was a few catches that he would have made that he just toe touched um just before he fell out of bounds and for a young player to have that type of awareness i think toe drag swag all day long yeah <laughs> well kelly was covering that game i was in at the crusaders pirates game you know two teams which were sort of more or less new enough to the flag football scene uh crusaders rocking a whole new set of kit from last season pirates basing their inaugural flag football event you know like we said earlier on the game was a 12-12 draw you know the scoreline isn't really reflective of what was out there on the day. There were some great players by both sides. Um, it was just one of those things. It's just, you know, flag football, it's such a, it's a different sort of pace that you might be used to. Well, a lot of teams such as the the Rebels, Trinity, uh, even the likes of the Mavericks would be playing a lot of flag football using their DBs, wide receivers, running backs. These were a lot more of your sort of linemen, DNs, that kind of players, a couple of tight ends. And just the whole, the, the pace of the game was kind of different to what you might be used to. But still, some quality players, some quality action. Our Pirates there with their left-handed quarterback, you know, not something you're going to see every day. Um, and it was, it was a great start for them, you know, going up against a team 
quite equal to themselves and a good score you know those few interceptions a couple of batted down balls some nice running like it was a nice way for both teams to actually get burst into flag football. Yeah, and what's great about these flag championships is you're seeing teams um, from the lower division, such as the Pirates and the Crusaders, like matching up against teams like Trinity and Rebels, um, which are teams that they wouldn't wouldn't meet on a pitch otherwise, and it can only do them uh, the world of good in terms of developing like their wide receivers and developing their DBs, um, even their route running stuff like that. Like it's own, it's gonna really assist, I think, in bridging the gap between the SBC leagues and the other lower leagues as well. Yeah, like it's it's a great birth of fire for some players. You know, like even with ourselves and the Mavericks, um, we played against the Rebels in the first game for us for that day, and you know, Rebels. Put they you know they dropped the numbers like they put thirty six down on us. We only put up thirteen. Um, at the start we had some great plays, some great drives. Players were catching balls, but then you saw just you know that extra bit of playing time, that extra bit of you know football intelligence that comes to play in the game from a few of the rebels players. Yeah. Uh, catching catching players out deep on defense. You know, there was a lot of flags mix, missed by Mavericks defenders where they were just allowing themselves to get in bad positions to make the tags and different players from the Rebels were just, you know, using a bit more of their fluidity and movement and getting around them, whether it be through shaking of the hips, uh, spin moves, dips, and it just kind of showed. But it was, a, you know, a lot of the players on the Mavericks, as we always try to encourage them, you know, is that you can do this there's nothing stopping you from winning you know especially when we're playing on our home pitch you know the win isn't guaranteed but you should be expecting to win no matter who the thing is as well is that like i mean uh meg is one of our strongest defensive players and when she's one of the best blitzers if not the best blitzer in this league without a doubt and she is so good at rattling other QBs it's only that you have a player that has the experience that Ty Henry has that can remain calm under that type of pressure that it kind of weakens the Mavericks defense slightly because that is one of the best um weapons that the the Mavericks have I think that Shane Lennon had a fantastic game always does and then um a few other a few other players on the Mavericks Malik Abdul showing great stuff out there um you know great leadership from him and position just getting in the way you know the, as you saw the rebels uh from being like a quite a contact team um when they're running the ball sometimes the contact came out in the flag but it, it he malik was no fear in him standing up to whoever was coming his way some great interactions between him and wellow yeah Oh, it was so funny. I was chatting to Wello on the sideline and uh, he said that he just enjoys, he just enjoys getting into Malik's head, but I think Malik enjoys getting into Wello's head just as much. So I'm just going at it. And it's done in good form as well. Like, yes, you know what I mean? And that like, oh, I'm sure they are genuinely annoyed at each other on on the pitch. But like when they come off the pitch, they're all, I love you, man. Uh, Talking to Wello after the game, he had nothing but love for Malik uh, for what he was doing. Another thing with the... Rebels offense is that you could tell that they're just a well-repped team like very precise lines of running I think that that as well was the difference between them and UCD because UCD did surprisingly well given that UCD had something like six players UCD had a great run out there today yeah. um, you know their quarterback uh, Brocklebank 
it was slinging it. The man was throwing that from end zone to end zone. Yeah, and I'd never seen or heard of him before, and that was a surprise. Uh, a couple of more numbers. It was really just having to play Ironman football, which killed yeah. them come the end of the day. Like, we were playing in heat that was, you know, over 22 degrees. Let's just say Rob looks like a strawberry after the day. Yeah, like, wear sunscreen. <laughs> UCD, like, like, a couple of more players and they would have had the, the stamina to keep going. You know, that was really the only thing that got them. You know, I know the Minotaurs really dropped, you know, quite the quite the score on them, you know, putting up 39 points in the first game against them. And the Minotaurs also struggled for numbers. They weren't uh, flush in numbers, but they just had that a few more than what UCD had. Like, I mean, it is tough to run around a pitch for 40 which is, minutes. Which is surprising because, like, if you were to look through the history books, the Minotaurs are one of those teams that constantly pop up as... Oh, either winning, making finals, making playoffs. They've been like sort of one of the consistent big baller teams in the flag football league. Yeah. But just in the past few years, you know, the numbers have dropped. There was the the forced demotion down to the lower league due to failure to fulfill fixtures. But like, they really like. There's no excuse for one of these sort of traditionally big flag teams to not have the numbers. And even with the numbers that they have at the flag. They're still doing well. They are, yeah. Yeah, they did well. Um, I find them like quite a tense team to watch sometimes from the sideline because they are very chatty. Like very, very chatty. They're very good at kind of getting in under the skin of the of the teams that they're playing. You're, you're guaranteed a row with the Minotaurs and the Minotaurs, they know it themselves. Um, well, it's good defense. You, you, gotta, you, know I mean? you gotta love some of them for it. Like, you know, afterwards they're, they're great group of lads to chat with you know on the pitch you want to murder them yeah <laughs> but uh it's, yeah it's all just part of part of the action you know I tell you we're looking forward to coming up against them again this year it's going to be a good hard-fought battle yeah um this weekend's action coming up is actually in Mullingar so quite possibly they'll have a few extra bodies down there in support of them which actually makes them quite a contender to come away from the weekend ahead with two W's yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Who we didn't see playing for the Minotaurs this weekend, though, was Joe Kinahan. So that answers the question. He will be playing with the Hurricanes this year uh, for anyone that was wondering. Yeah, not not those Kinahan. So if we were to do some power rankings then of the flag football teams that we've seen so far, Rob, who is at the bottom of your power rank list? That is, that's a tough one. Um the bottom two teams who I really can't sort of split because they couldn't even split themselves would be the Pirates and the Crusaders. You know, to be bottom at this stage isn't a bad thing. They're both very new to the sport. Uh, they got a point against each other. So they're on quite a level footing. Um, but, you know, there's just that sort of difference in class levels between the likes of them and then sort of the rest of the competition. Yeah. And then kind of a, a, a close uh, third from the bottom for me is UCD, who finished 0-2. and two. Um, However, I would still be interested to see how they're going to do once they start getting a few more numbers. And I think that they said that they're confident that they can do that uh, as the season progresses. So, you know, they could really, that's a team to watch. They could really start rising in those rankings once they get a few more bodies down to the games. Yeah, like quite a high ceiling for UCD. Definitely a team that you can see going from the lower half of the shield tournament to like being say a top three 
come the end of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then that sort of mid-range section. So there, we've got two teams here in that mid-range section. Um, it's the Minotaurs and the Mavericks. Uh, it's what way are we going to rank which them? Which are you going to go with? Who's going to be ahead? Um, so yeah, I think uh, Mavericks ahead of Minotaurs. I'm going to go with it as well. We're missing Brendan Sims, who... Uh, he, that's a game changer type player you know once we get him back to our games and stuff I can see us doing, doing a little bit better than even what we were doing on the weekend just Brendan we were missing the entire Sims family there from that weekend we were missing Brendan Alex and Kathy um, Alex and Kathy who recently had a baby there together yeah. yeah welcome to the Mavericks Mona Willow Sims so straight back to our power rankings then we're left with the two kind of superstars from the weekend which is trinity and the rebels so who rob are you going to rank on top there oh this is a tough one now this is a tough one they're both very equal on the day um both putting up big numbers but i think i'm gonna have to go with Oh, I'm going to go with the students. I'm going to go with the students. You're going to go with the students. I'm going to go with the students. I think the Trinity defense really uh, had its day. It really had its day um, on on Sunday. Uh, picks all over the shop. But I am going to go with the Rebels. Um, I just think that you have uh, Wello there. You have Conrad Cook on D. You have uh, Ty Henry at QB. And then you have some new young talent coming through, namely Dave King. And Sunshine 22. Sunshine, Sunshine 20. 22. Sunshine 20. <laughs> Sunshine 20. And a few other ones. I just think that team is absolutely jacked this year. And then on top of that, they are having a lot of fun. And teams that have fun just tend to win. So that's who I'm ranking number one. Final weekend of the season. That's when we'll see those two teams collide. Should be a big one. Actually could be this, the decider for who comes out on top of this Shield tournament. Another week's action in the bag. Another week to look forward to. Hi guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Domestic Game Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify if you're enjoying them. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us about any content that you would like to see on the show, or if you would like to get in contact regarding any content that you did not like on the show, be like the Crusaders and contact us directly. Um, my email is kelly underscore dw at americafootball.ie. Robbie's is Robbie underscore ca. That's R-O-B-B-I-E underscore ca at americafootball.ie. We want to hear from you. 